Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome an amazing team, Jennifer Jason Lee and Noah Bambach. Congratulations to both of you. One thing I want to ask you is how this film for you was different than previous films. I mean, it in some ways covers some similar territory, but it, fe it felt to me like a sort of freer and more intimate, more emotional film than, than anything you've done. You've been moving towards it, but it seems different. So how would you answer that? Well, I can't really tell from the outside just how different my or similar my movies are. Um, but it was a more intuitive process in the early going. I think yeah. I, I, I sort of let the script or the characters tell me what the story was more than I had up until this point when I, in, in, in writing. I did that with Squid, too, but I think I knew more of what I wanted to get into Squid. And this one, I, there were very few things that, that uh, I had to start this. It was really the beginning of the movie. It was, it was Margot and Claude on the train. And so I, I think it was in some ways more discovery in the process than previously. I had heard that you started with this image of mother and son on a train. So could you talk about that, how that sort of sparked the idea? Well, I, I, at the time, it really just was, it just felt interesting to me. I think, looking back at it, I think the, this, the idea of taking two people, two family members out of the family unit and casting them out into the world and, and, and starting a movie in motion and where things are changing, the landscape's changing outside the train, and we're moving, and and also having two people who have a very strong bond, who are at points in their life, very different points in their life, but uh, where they're starting to question the bond and look outward, and to take them away from home and put them out in the world and see how they fared. There are two little details in this scene that jumped out at me this time. One, the lovely moment when he sits down next to the wrong person and then finds his mother. And you, it sort of gives you this sense of, like, you belong with your family and you, and you sort of run into strangers, and that's kind of what life is about. And then the other thing um, is Margaret's reaction when she sort of jumps up and turns around, and she's sort of acting like a child. So could you talk about those little details? Well, I think at first I was thinking, I was thinking just from, from that point of view of, 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 of a kid when you're, it, it, those times where you, think somebody's your parent and they're not. You take their hand or you sit next to them and how embarrassing that is. And, and, and so, and I thought it would be interesting to do it at the top of the movie where you don't know that the wrong person's the wrong person in a way, you know. So, in a way, you discover it after he knows before you know. Um, because I think then he sits next to his mother who, and I think who his mother is and is changing for the rest of the movie. In a way, she's the becoming a stranger to him too, I think, in some ways. I'm analyzing now more than I have before, but I, I guess in how people you know very well who are s supposed to be very close to you, your family, uh, sometimes feel like strangers to you. And, and, and I think that's the case of the sisters too, that they are very invested in this idea that they're best friends and they have this closeness, but they are strangers in a lot of ways to each other too. Jennifer, could you tell us how you saw this project evolve? From the very beginning, you weren't involved in it. I mean, it grew to be involved. <laughs> so could you talk about that? Um, yeah, I, I was reading um, drafts as Noah was writing them. 
Um, but I don't quite remember when... At, when he first started writing, I didn't know if I was going to be in it or not. I knew it, what it was about, because we would talk about it. I was hoping I'd be in it, but I didn't know. And then at a certain point, he said, um, I thought you would play Pauline. And I was really happy about that. Um, but yeah, I can't. I don't remember where. It wasn't that far in. Yeah, but I think we'd pinned it down at this point, just for the clarity of the Q and A's. Just but make something yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> after but, the second draft. But we're still honest about February it. February eighth. <laughs> yeah. It's very romantic. I, I wrapped it in a bow and handed it to her. Um, <laughs> a big heart painted uh, in watercolor, so I could still read the script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah rose petals leading up the stairs. To, yeah. Now. No memory of when it was. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice scene, though. You just created. Yeah, right? You made the movie Georgia, which uh, was very much about a sister relationship because your mother wrote that. We know that was inspired by your, your life. Could you talk about sort of um, how you saw Pauline at the beginning and then maybe how you developed this character? Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by, like, the sibling bond. Yeah. I really am. I, I just think so much of our personalities are formed in spite of or in emulation of our, our siblings. Um, so uh, Pauline, for me, was very different than other things I've done um, because um, because I had lived with the script for so long and I'd seen so many drafts and variations of the characters and we had talked about them so much, I almost felt like they were in my family by the time we started shooting. Mm -hmm. And Noah didn't really, I'm very, very different from Pauline, but. Noah wanted really basically my personality in Pauline in a way. So it's kind of the least acting I've ever done or the closest to me even though she's nothing like me and because Noah knows me so well he could tell if I was lying or faking it. So it was it was really challenging and exciting for me and, and, and um, completely different than anything I've ever done I think. And one thing that struck me on this viewing of the film was that Pauline, you know, you, you watch the film and you wonder, like, what is Pauline doing with this guy, with Malcolm? And um, it felt at this time that it was largely a reaction. She had a strong relationship with her sister, and she finds somebody who's so opposite, who's, like, not judgmental at all because all yeah. his judgment is heaped on himself. Yeah, and also his anger isn't scary. You know, I think they grew up in a really terrifying household where anger and rage is a really threatening thing. And when Malcolm gets angry, it's funny. I mean, yeah. she laughs, you know, so she feels just sort of safe and adored and loved. And he's still enthusiastic about all this stuff, which makes her feel alive in a certain way, you know. And I think it's a nice relationship. I like, I root for them. I, I like them together. For the couple. Yeah. yeah. I gather that you spend all this time... Um, sort of out of this house and peaceful, natural setting, which must be relaxing in some ways. But the film has such a palpable sense of tension in every scene. And I'm sure that was different. I would hope it's different than the atmosphere of making the film. But how did you, how does you sort of maintain that level of, um, sort of tension and, and um, family discord? Well, I, th I mean, I think when you're working, it's more being concentrated and, 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 um, and efficient and, and giving the actors the room to work. And uh, I like to run scenes long if I can, I mean, to really run them through. And, and our filming style allows for that a lot of the time because the, it's handheld. So um, if, if we can, if even if it's a moving a scene where the character's moving, we, if, if we want to block it that way, we can, we can actually just follow them and, and let them play it out. And, and it, 
I, I think it's it's nice for the actors to be able to have the whole experience. I mean, they're they're professionals, they're film actors. They can do it. If you say let's just get this moment in, in a close up, you, they can do it. But I don't really generally shoot that way. I don't shoot traditional coverage. I mean, it's a low key light set, but it's that means we're working hard and 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 just that way. I, the the hope is you can spend the most time on what's important, which is getting the performances and getting the scenes right. You make several homages to Eric Romer and I guess the name of the character. And the film seems to be shot in a similar style. He shot his a number of his films in 16 millimeter, mm -hmm. a small, tiny crew. Yeah, I'd like to get it even smaller if I could and do what what he did. I mean, those those new wave films seem to be shot with like you know six or seven people. You know, it'd yeah. be great to shoot a movie that way. I find a filmmaker friends of mine were always talking about how to cut the crew down if we can, um, just because it's. It'd be gr it's great to, to get it as, as the fewer the barriers as possible, I think, between you know just shooting the actors doing the scenes. Uh, and Jennifer, it seems in, in your acting work on film, you've done a few experiments recently that mo are moving in this direction. The Anniversary Party, which you co-directed, um, done in a kind of similar style. Um, I mean, digital and, and has a very intimate, not spontaneous feeling, and then you did um, King is Alive, which was a real dogma film. So could you talk about, it? is this some direction you're really trying to move in? Um, well, I mean, the, the dogma experience happened pre-anniversary party, which made me realize, like, you can actually shoot a movie very cheaply <laughs> and in a way that makes it feel very spontaneous for the actors because you can do these really long takes. Um, so Alan and I came up with, you know, first we were going to have that movie be completely improvised with this sort of outline of each scene, but then we, we wrote it and kind of fell in love with it, what we wrote, so then we wouldn't let anyone improvise anything, <laughs> uh, <laughs> except for the toast, but not Winnie's toast. But um, yeah, so I really liked long takes. I liked it not being, everything being so precious, because tape doesn't cost anything, really. It's very cheap medium. This film is very different than that, though, because this is, you know, it's it's on film and but they the the long takes are really helpful also it being handheld is really helpful because you have a kind of freedom as an actor that you know they're sort of following you you're not hitting i mean there were marks we would hit sometimes but a lot of times we didn't have to be aware of what to hit which is really nice and could you talk about the working process with nicole kidman because we we I've heard about your preparation in the, um, and the process you do in the past for your roles and tense research. Um, here, so much of what's in the film has to do with the way you interact with her. So you're, I assume you're kind of building the characters together. Yeah, Noah had a um, two weeks rehearsal, which really helped. And it was just kind of a slow thing. I mean, I, it got to the point where I really did feel like we were sisters and we had this unspoken history and all this, this past between us. I think our approach as actresses is very similar. I felt um, a real similarity uh, when we were, were working together. It felt very easy. We're both kind of shy people and uh, slightly reticent, but for both of us it's all about the work and and believing in the moment. And she's so damn good when you act with her that it's so easy because everything is so alive. Like you can never leave the moment because you don't know what she's going to do. It really is like that, like Quicksilver and um, Electric. It's is great. And could you talk about creating this character? I mean, obviously the fact that she's a writer and you kind of set up uh, the scene in the bookshop, the you know, at the reading to um, 
inevitably the, the audience is going to think about you as the writer when they're watching that scene. So could you talk about what you were thinking in creating this um, Margot, who's so cruel yet sympathetic at the same time. It's such an interesting character. Well, in terms of the bookstore, I, I was working on the script, I, I, and I I think I had had one Squid and the Whale interview too many, <laughs> and uh, I came home and wrote this <laughs> the scene uh, about sort of dealing with autobiography and, and, and what a pain in the ass it was to be asked that question all the time. Um, uh, in terms of Margot, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I people um, have strong reactions to her, which I understand. And, and it, but I, 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 never, I never thought of, I, I, I guess I never thought about it in terms of how is, are people going to react or how is it. it I just wanted to to create this character who I mean who, who I understood and who was in crisis and not her best self for a good chunk of the movie and um, so uh, it was no different than writing any other character except that you know and I, I all the characters I, I try at some you know to I come at them from the inside out and so um, I don't. I don't have anything specific, I guess, really to say about in terms of creating Margot as opposed, opposed to creating anyone else. And it seems so true to me that that um, celebrations are what brings family together, and then you have the family together, and they just can't help pushing buttons. They just can't help themselves. It's just it's such a just part of being a family is like, like pushing these painful buttons. Right. Yeah. Well, you put it on the screen, so you don't have to elaborate on that. Um, let's uh, let's take some questions if I can see hands. So if anybody wants to jump in, this one right here. He felt desperation in your character, and did you think that Pauline ever felt suicidal or felt desperate? Um, no. I, I mean, I think Pauline's actually, when we first meet her, is in a really good place. She's about to get married. She's pregnant. She thinks she's a lot more grounded than she is. You know, she's very <laughs> sort of, she's idealized the fact that her sister's coming. It's all hope and good things. And then her sister comes and everything gets, the rug gets pulled out from under her. But, um, and then things become very unstable and frightening for her but I don't think she's ever you know she's got a daughter that she's very attached to and I think she's that would never cross her mind I don't think I have to just ask about the costumes in relation to character because they're so specific and perfect and, and you work with one of the great costume designers uh, Anne Roth I just love this kind of um, flower child sort of hippie-ish clothing that you wear that like Pauline is trying to be right yeah so. yeah well some <laughs> of that like Anne is great because she creates like a whole character history and sometimes it really meshes with what's in your head and sometimes it doesn't mesh with what's in your head and sometimes you have to like meet in the middle but she's such an icon that you really, you know, it's hard to ever say, oh, but I thought she'd wear more, you know. Um, Jennifer was clearly afraid of Anne. I was very afraid of <laughs> Anne. But I love Anne too. But I, I got like some of that stuff I, I brought in like the some of the hippy dippy stuff and she brought in some of the hippy dippy stuff and we we fell in love with each other after a while and does the thing where she'll she'll come she'll talk about the character she she'll say something like she's the type to kick off her shoes and throw herself across the hood of the car and stretch out she'll give these like weird descriptions of the people 
and then produce the clothing, and I'll think that's it. That's what they would wear. But I, I never recognize. She'll often talk about backstory and the characters that are things that I have no idea what she's getting at. And then, but it gets her exactly to the right place. Yeah, she I, approaches it like an actor yeah, would approach it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's brilliant. I, I mean, I, I, I love Anne, and it was really kind of fascinating and great to work with her. How much backstory do you have in mind? Like, I, I you know, I was kind of inventing this whole like, what's the relationship between the, the mother and is it Becky? The, like. How much do you have that worked out in your mind? Like all these different relationships, what what the parents are like. I mean, some some of it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of it I know, but a lot of it I don't know too. Um, so, I mean, it, it it really just depends. I mean, I, I I think the movie in a lot of ways is also it's so much about the present, but in how the past haunts the present, and so. People have asked me, like, oh, did you think about bringing in the mother or Becky and, and or things like that? And I, I understand, I suppose, why you might expect that, but the, it, no, I never even, it never even occurred to me because it, it's, they're, they're there even though they're not there. And it's, and it's, it's about, in a lot of cases, the, what these people carry with them, which are, is residue of, of all these other family members that we kind of hear about peripherally. Carol Littleton, who also edited the anniversary party, um, could you talk about what that process was like, the editing process? Yeah, I mean, we, we, Carol's another person I was just really just great to work with. I mean, I, I, someone I really had admired, um, and I tried to get her to cut Squid and the Whale, because Jennifer spoke so highly of her, too, and, and she wasn't available. Um, she edited E.T. and The Big Chill. Yeah, and She's The Big Chill. Pretty and, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the movie has a fractured feel to it and the way it's cut and scenes are in some cases cut off in the middle and and uh, uh, I, I, I always wanted the movie to sort of approximate exp actual experience or, or our memory or interpretation of experience so that the scenes uh, not to think of the scenes as, as, as sort of comfortable places to uh, that you can that have endings where you okay this person knows this about that person or uh, that, that the scenes in, uh, crash into one another, that this is an accumulation of, of, of experience and something that adds up to something else when it's all over. Um, I think it's, for that reason, in some ways, it's, it's funny and hard to have Q&As after this movie because I don't think it's a movie that you can know exactly what you think or feel once it's finished. Um, the, but Carol, most of it was written that way. Um, I mean, the script, and I had done some of this with Squid, and I pushed it with this. Uh, uh, I've in some ways thinking of having no uh, fat on the movie, not put it, throwing you into every scene in action, not starting scenes with people coming into rooms, not showing nightfalls on the house from outside, or, you know, morning dew <laughs> sprinklers come on, or whatever, that, the, that every moment we're thrown in the middle. And uh, and just to have the meat, and and that was sort of our philosophy. Okay, the kids seem so emotionally strong in this tough, you know, situation. Can you talk about the difference between the kids and the parents and emotional strength? Well, I feel in a lot of cases, Claude and Ingrid don't know what's happening. I think, I mean, in some cases they know more than the parents might think they do, but in other cases they're intuiting things and they don't, they don't know everything, and uh, so. And I think it's also a world where they don't know. It, it, some a lot of stuff is presented to them fairly logical and straightforward. I mean, and and so I don't think they even know in some cases that 
things are strange that maybe the audience might find strange. Uh, I mean, Claude's relationship with his mother has been formed over many years now, and, and he's used to this bond. I think there's something very special about being included and being so close to an adult and let in on these things and being told these things that feel privileged. I think that can feel very, uh, uh, it can be really, could feel very good to a child. It comes with a price, though. And um, so, but I don't know that Claude at, at 12 is quite knows yet how, how tough all this stuff is. I think, you know, he's on his way to, though. Okay, so casting Jack Black, how, did you consider other actors, and how did you cast him? No, he was he was the first person I thought of, and um, I, I wanted someone funny for that part. I mean, I wasn't it, it wasn't just that I I, I mean I, I understand that it's a role you a lot of people haven't seen Jack do, but um, but I wanted someone who was funny who who also could be funny within the realm of the film, and and uh, I had met Jack. Jack had called me after he saw Squid and the Whale, and we had lunch and. This is before he knew about this movie, and and uh, he just had a real sweetness and and just very grounded, very connected guy, and I just had a good feeling about him. And Jennifer knew him a little bit too, uh, 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 so and she corroborated that. So it 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 it, it felt like a, a, the right fit. Could you say anything about working with him or what it was like playing that? He's so easy to work with. I mean, yeah. he's just so available and warm and loving and funny. And yeah, I mean, everything you'd want to believe about Jack Black is true. I mean, he's just, it's, you know, he just makes it so easy, so sweet. And yeah, I loved it. Well, if you found it hard at all to get, get the film made in terms of because of its sort of open endedness and things like that, what people. Um, uh, no, this was the easiest movie I've ever, uh, the easiest time I've ever had getting a movie made, and um, uh, the studio was completely supportive and and was completely on board. Uh, we sent them, you know, we did we ran tests in the movie. We sent them the, we talked about you know the way we we're going to shoot the movie, and they were great. They were real collaborators, um, and um, but completely supportive. In terms of the color, the the very particular look this film has, is that done with the film stock? Or? Yeah, I mean, and we didn't do a digital intermediate on this movie, um, which most movies use now, where they, after you shoot, even if you shoot on film, you, they transfer it to, all to digital. They do a scan of it. That way, you can you have a lot of leeway in terms of changing. That's why so many movies now, I feel anyway, have this are starting to feel flatter and flatter, even though they're shot on film. Even kind of some amazingly shot movies, and but that's the way it's going. There's no getting around that. I mean, it was. It's what we did was sort of the was going. The, the, no movies will be. I mean, I think we'll have to. Everyone will have to do digital intermediates, and then everything will be digital. But uh, what we did is re we, we really old-fashioned. We we shot with these old lenses, uh, these lenses from the '70s that had this. They were kind of imperfect, and 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 you. It, it emphasized the grain of the film and, and just the photographic quality of it. Uh, and then we flashed the film also, so everything would have this slightly diffuse, desaturated look to it. It actually was very hard to color time because we didn't have a lot of leeway. We, you, you'd try and change one color and it would go too far the other way. Uh, so it took a long time in post-production just to get the color right, but that was really just balancing what we had already, already done. 
since you kind of raised this, the, the question of spontaneity and improvisation, I mean, the writing, as always in your films, is so precise, the exact choice of words. Was there freedom? Were there things, uh, cases where you would suggest a different emotional arc or response? To no. <laughs> no, there was no impro improvising on the movie. Yeah. No. It's all exactly as scripted. The, um, but they bring so much of it of themselves. I mean, yeah. for me, the ideal is for them to do the script exactly as written, but to to bring everything that they can bring, all of what's what's unique about these people. And and I feel like the, somewhere in that space between is where you get this these kind of amazing moments. Where did this, the idea of the family next door come from? Because that's so, I mean, it's, it's just a, such a great contrast. It's like a different form of, of cruelty than this, um, so, you know, it's a great contrast to what's going on in the, in. Well, I, I mean, the family initially came, I was thinking about the sort of anthropology of some of these, these houses and, and, and these, these areas where you have people of very different economic backgrounds living in close proximity. And we only see them really through the eyes of our, of our family, our main family, so that the neighbors are different things in some ways at different times. They're almost like projections of, of our characters. I mean, when Claude looks through the slats of the fence in the croquet match, he sees these naked images, and I figured, um, in, in a way, I mean, Claude is hitting puberty. These things are, things are becoming, he's, th there's, there's, things are sexier maybe than usual yeah. <laughs> than they've been in the past. Margot looks in the window and there's this seeming brutality. Um, but then the kids look later and they're eating a pig. And, and uh, so that I always wanted it to s remain in some ways up for grabs who this family was because I think uh, they're only interpreted you know, through Margot and Pauline and everyone. I think it was Jack Black who said watching this film, it's like watching 28 therapy sessions or something like some line like that. But could you talk, uh, say anything more about Margot explaining Margot? I really can't, no. Um, it wouldn't be fair to all the other people who see this movie and don't get the Q&A. Um, uh, I mean, I appreciate you wanting to know more and all that, but I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of what I know is up there. Okay, I, I'll just ask, this is maybe just a question for both of you sort of um, to end with, because I'm so interested, in, but with both of your work, you, you're both very, I know you're both very analytical. Um, yet, um, what's great about your work is how intuitive it is. Do you say anything about how you sort of keep that? Well, I think that I think that's true, and uh, I'd be curious how Jennifer answers this. But I, I, I um, uh, there's something freeing about work where you don't have to be that way, or at least I feel like I don't have to be that way. I mean, I am naturally analytical in my life, and I, for myself, and I can be sometimes like Margot and overly critical of other people. <laughs> uh, but uh, with with the work, it's that's a kind of pleasure not to analyze it. I mean, I, people ask me some of these questions. I I I I'm, I'm not being cheeky. I just I don't have the answer. I mean, it's really to be it's it's there to be interpreted, and I'm happy to hear interpretations. It's interesting to me, but I don't I don't have the you know, I don't have the symbolism in you know in my pocket. 
I have it in my pocket. <laughs> but um, seriously, like for me, I can complete. I could go on for an hour about Margot and why she's, you know, that she's in. You asked the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> but it's easier for me to analyze. I know Noah very well, and I am very analytical also. So I can, and for me, work is also like a freedom. So, but I can look at his scripts, and I can tell you what the tree means. I can tell you that Margot's going through a crisis, and that you know she's contemplating leaving her husband and her children over this period, which happens to coincide with her sister's wedding, which is lucky for her. And it's, 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 but she's really in a meltdown, and she's trying to make herself as detestable as possible so that when she leaves, it won't be as hard on other people. Um, but it's all self-inflicted, really. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's me being able to analyze it because I've read it so many, 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 many times yeah. and, you know, and I see what, you know, Noah did and I see Nicole's performance and it's very, you know, clear to me. But I also understand why for Noah it's a much more intuitive thing and, you know, but um, anything that you want to know about his writing <laughs> symbolism, <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. Well, as the analyst says, I'm afraid our time is up. So, um... Thank you, and, and good luck with the film. Thanks. Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.